Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here today with Travis Overstreet. And Travis is joining me today to discuss his sermon from this past Sunday, um, Worship Lavishly, from John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. So, um, Travis, you don't get to preach very often, do you? Not very often at all, probably once every 20 years or so. <laughs> so this, so I'm so glad that, to uh, have this conversation with you about the sermon on Sunday. Um, John 12, it's, uh, it's the description of Mary washing Jesus's feet uh, mm-hmm. with the perfume, with the, with the nard and um and you started the sermon in an interesting way i thought which was with the greatest commandments um from mark 12 can you just bring us into your thinking a little bit like why why start there yeah i think when uh i think david uh senior pastor david uh was looking at the sermon series you know, uh, he asked us what were some of the greatest moments of of worship examples uh, in in the New Testament, and you know, I gave several. That this being one of them, and uh, the the passage from um, uh, from John with Mary of Bethany. But uh, you know, uh, so I found out he assigned that one. He said, "Well, you need to preach this one," uh, which you know was a little scary, uh, <laughs> a little nerve wracking. Uh, but I I really appreciated the opportunity. But, you know, once we begin to dive into it, it's a beautiful story, but it's not necessarily a story, I think, that it needs a ton of teaching. I mean, you know, some things we reread in an academic way uh, to learn information and knowledge mm-hmm. and detail. I think the story of Mary has a whole different sort of purpose. I think it is really uh, almost uh, something that is just a, 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 an image of what it looks like to worship. So I thought, man, you know, how do I spend 30 minutes talking about what is an image? I could just put the painting on the, you know, which I've got back here in my yeah. virtual office. <laughs> uh, I could put the painting on the screen and just say, let's all just look at that for 30 minutes and see what God tells us. And that was sort of tempting to do, you know. <laughs> but as I begin to think, you know, what is she demonstrating that informs us? You know, what what academically or what instructionally could we take from that moment? And the more I began to look at it, the more I realized wow, you know, that verse that has been so part of our, our culture at Covenant really informs it. I mean, what is worship uh, other mm. than loving God, loving Jesus, ascribing him worth? When we love something, you know, we, we ascribe it worth. You know, I, mm. we just had an anniversary, uh, my wife and I, Lisa, and, you know, I was looking through anniversary cards and all of them uh, speak to the worth of your spouse. You know, mm. you are more fair than roses. Like it's like Song of Solomon, right? Yeah, you're more fair, <laughs> uh, you know, than roses. Uh, and and worship is just that. I mean, mm. you're ascribing worth to God and and expressing our love and our appreciation and our thanks. So when I began to look at you know, so does New Testament give us any instruction on how to express love to God? 
And there's lots of places, but I thought, man, that the perfect one here is, is from the person being loved in this story, and that's Jesus. And so that passage just kind of jumped out. Yeah. I loved the, that um it yeah, the 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 image um of the story of Mary washing Jesus's feet really does illustrate that wholehearted, the soul, mind, heart, and strength, worshiping God with all of you, every aspect of you. Um, so, so I love that you started there and, and that it was multidimensional experience <laughs> going to your sermon. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we bought uh, some, some nard from Jerusalem several years ago when we did the first um, stations of the cross. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we first got it, everybody kind of speculating, I wonder what it smells like, you know, I wonder what it's like, because you can get things that are called, um, uh, what is it, uh, spike nard magdalena, which is mm. basically just a kind of a chemical uh, modern perfume uh, uh, estimation of what it smells like created mm. with chemicals, yeah. or you can actually buy the real thing from Jerusalem from a bonded company that sells it. And it's really expensive. But I remember when we got it, we were all thinking, I wonder what it really smells like. And then just passing it around the office and thinking, wow, you know, the word that kept coming up was it smells ancient. It doesn't mm. smell like anything modern. Because mm. it was it used, it used, you know, pine rosin. It used all these different scents that we don't think of as scents that would be things you'd put on your body as perfume. Yeah. So yeah, I thought, you know, if we could somehow experience all of that. And yeah. I forget, I forget whose idea it was to uh just put baggies out in the congregation, let people have a kind of a close encounter. I did have several people say, I almost had to leave because I can't take perfume, you know, and, and I could, I could smell it around me and yeah. my nose started itching. I, that was a danger. We, we realized could happen. We took the risk. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I am one of those who can't do perfumes, but I can do the real thing, right? Like mm-hmm. the chemical, reconstruction of of scent i can't do but yeah me neither the re the real stuff this the um essential oils the extracts yeah i can do and so i did smell a little it a little bit and it yeah ancient is a good word to describe it in our discussion after um during the 10 30 service someone's described it as earthy yeah and i was like oh my goodness this is blowing my mind to think about Mary worshiping Jesus with an, uh, who is earthly and heavenly with an earthly scent. Like, Mm -hmm. I just was like, oh man, that's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. Yeah. The symbolism throughout that whole act is, is so deep. I mean, you could spend several weeks just studying the symbolism of it and the, the norms that it broke, you know, I mean, Mm. You know, somebody asked me after the, I think the second service, you know, wow, that, uh, that was, seems like a really intimate description of what Mary did, especially, mm. you know, mm. in, in some of the, the the scholars I was reading, some of the Bible commentaries, you know, the speculation that it, she used a pound of nard because it was, she did more than his feet. You know, I guess it depends on your own mindset, how you receive that or what mental images come to you. But, uh, you know, it was incredibly intimate act, but yet not unusual in that time. Hmm. I had to go back and look and say, well, you know, if somebody was visiting your house, who actually did the foot washing? 
And one of the things I found interesting was that it was usually the women of the house. Most. Oh, interesting. Yeah. If, well, because it wasn't seen as a manly thing to do. Think of the culture. Oh, sure. The the sort of male, male dominated culture. It wasn't seen as a manly thing to do. And, and often if it was a household of any kind of means, uh, what I read was it would be the, the, uh, the servants, the Hmm. female servants of the house who would then come and wash a guest's feet. Hmm. Which is why so beautifully, just a week later in the upper room, when Jesus took it upon himself to wash the disciples' feet, I mean, he was saying so many things. He was, mm. he was, he was breaking in one sense, you know, gender barriers by saying, no, right. this is not just a woman's job. This is a, a this is a sign. You know, it, he was fulfilling prophecy. Right. You know, in the Old Testament, we read in Isaiah, you know, that he would, he would lay aside his crown and, and be a servant, become servant to all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was fulfilling mm-hmm. prophecy. So it wasn't that unusual that Mary would have been there to, to do at least the beginning of what she did, but mm-hmm. the way that she did it and the way that potentially she continued, I think is what speaks to, um, you know, the idea of it, she went way above and beyond. And in a way that I think is unmistakable, her adoration and love for her savior. Yeah. And that's why I think, I think that's why the story is in the Bible, you know, I mean, actually in another iteration of this in the, in the synoptic, synoptic gospels, you know, it says, and the story will, you know, will we'll remain, be told, right. will be told for, you know, for generation after generation to teach yeah. us about what it means to, you know, worship lavishly. Yeah. I, you know, and that's one of the things that we were talking about in our discussion was somebody asked the question, would you give a year's wages for someone's feet? I know, right? And I was like, man, that is costly. Yeah. That is and that's, costly. That's, that, that, it's incredible. Uh, and I, how can you not read that and not think Mary knew what's what? Mary of Bethany yes. knew what's what. You know, I think she not only absolutely was had been convinced that he was the Messiah. Yeah. And at that point, just a week before, just a week before uh, Golgotha, even the disciples were kind of still puzzling over, is he, is he, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, Jesus even asked, you know, uh, I believe it was Peter, who, who, who do, you know, who, who do, do people say, say that I am? am? Yeah. Uh, well, you're, you know, the Messiah, but it was kind of like one of those, I always get the impression the disciples like behind his back, were going, do you think, is he, you know, yeah. uh, but Mary put, you know, put action where her, you know, thoughts were, I mean, I right. think she knew, and not only did she know he was the Messiah, I think somehow, you know, Jesus kept dropping hints all over the place, you know, about right. what was to come. And, you know, they had the prophecies of Isaiah, so they knew what the Messiah, if he was the Messiah, right. was was destined for, even though it, spoke, it speaks poetically and it speaks, you know, uh, not specifically. Uh, it, it does if you know what you're reading. Mm-hmm. But she did, obviously. And she put yeah. two and two together and went, here he is in my house. What can I do? And yeah. she did it, you know, she took the most valuable thing she had most likely and just right. poured it out that is on his feet. So yeah, amazing to me. It is. And I, you know, that the painting that you referred to, can you just say the name and the um, artist for those who are listening and can't see yeah. the painting so they can look it up? Yeah, because he's got really a lot of really beautiful uh, paintings. His name is 
Wayne, uh, hang on one second. Um, I've got it right here in front of me somewhere. Um, yeah, Wayne Forte, like the musical term, F-O-R-T-E. Uh, I'm assuming he pronounces it Forte. Mm -hmm. And he has a website and he does uh, secular art as well as sacred. And you can actually, you know, on his site, choose which one you want to look at. Oh, okay. And he, he kind of specializes in taking some of these iconic moments out of the biblical narrative and putting them into, I think it's called uh, neo-primitivism mm. is the style in that, you know, it's, it's sort of almost like Van Gogh or uh, uh, they're, they're not super detailed and they're not meant to be realistic. They're meant to evoke in a primitive way an emotion. Right. So that fits in my mind, fits beautifully with the idea. I want people to experience the emotion of this scene. Right. He has, he's, he's several times he's done paintings of, you know, them holding up Moses' hands when it was said that you would win the mm. battle as long as your hands were upraised. And, right. you know, and he has a couple of that are really striking and beautiful. So yeah, yeah Wayne, Wayne Forte. Wayne Good. Forte. I mean, the well, painting, I, it, it is striking. And, and I love that you gave us some time to look at it and to really kind of absorb the experience of it. And also, I mean, so I just want to also recognize the fact that um, for some people, artwork doesn't really speak to them. It doesn't really move them, um, which is just fine. <laughs> like, it's okay. You can still um, look at the artwork and, and see the skill and, and see the image that this, that the art artist created from this scene, um, even if it doesn't move you. Um, but the thing that st struck me about this painting is it just so beautifully illustrates kind of the underlying theme of this whole series, which to me has been worship is vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? Like when, when I am worshiping, it's a very vulnerable act. And, and for some people that's amazing and it's, and it's welcome. And for others, it can be very, very scary. And, um, and, and yeah, just scary. Like, I don't know how I can do this. Um, and what somebody pointed out that this painting just shows how safe Jesus is yeah. even, you know, and so that was amazing. And then I thought about, okay, here is Mary and Jesus, but they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Mary, Jesus is sitting at the table with all of the disciples mm -hmm. and not all of the disciples are safe mm -hmm. because Judas obviously um, right away condemns her. Um, but because Jesus is so safe, Mary doesn't have to worry about the unsafe people in the circle. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like it was just kind of, it's just stunning to me because sometimes we come into church and think, I can't, I can't be vulnerable because maybe somebody here is unsafe. Mm -hmm. I guess I've never thought of it in terms of uh, like personal safety uh, or the word safety. Maybe I get mm -hmm. hung up on a little bit. I do think I do like the term. Uh, I do like what you said. It, it, an invitation to worship is always an invitation 
to becoming vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, and this is an odd statement. I think, I think in Christianity, it's harder for men than women, uh, in the sense that, you know, for most of us, the idea of uh, a, a, a passionate, intimate love for another human being for men regard is, is typically the opposite sex, you know, my spouse, I think of my, mm. my love, my love for my wife. If I use it as any kind of example is very, you know, that's a different expression than the love I would express for Jesus. Mm. And so I think men sometimes have this barrier. A lot of men, it's like, I feel weird allowing myself to be vulnerable, being lavishly pouring love on another male figure which is kind of weird. It says some things about our society, but, uh, and the pressure that men have of not expressing emotion, but Mm. withholding it, you know, you're, you're weak. If you express what's your, what's inside, you're Mm. strong. If, you know, the old British uh, term of keeping a step off her lip, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. of which I've never been able to do very well. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm a lack, I'm a lack but I think you, you, you got it exactly right. Uh, Worship is an invitation to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And in order to be vulnerable, I do think the the environment and the situation, you need to, by your own understanding, have confidence that that's a safe expression and a mm-hmm. safe environment to do it. And I, I think I think for a lot of people, expressing it to Jesus is not hard, but when we come into worship, because you know our, our, our series is a lot about personal worship, it's also about corporate worship. Mm-hmm. And as a worship leader for 35 years, I can't tell you how, how much it pains me sometimes to look out and to see women expressing their worship and their love of Jesus, similar to Mary of Bethany, you know, and to see men bottled up, mm-hmm. un- unable to express with their lips, you know, the, 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 the thoughts that are inside their heart. And I, and sometimes I, I, I know intimately, I know really well the passion of the faith that's in an individual, but who seems hesitant, irreticent, and are unable to express their love to God in a corporate setting. I mean, I, I wish, you know, in different denominations have different degrees of that reticence, I think. Yeah. Um, I think. I think Covenant Church is an amazing church for expressive worship. Uh, especially being a good Presbyterian church, but uh, <laughs> but I tell you, uh, we we could always there there is still that reticence sometimes, and I wish I wish we could find a way to overcome it. And mm-hmm. like you said, you know, if, maybe it's a good idea. Maybe you know, put a sign on the door outside the sanctuary. You know, this is a safe place to mm-hmm. worship, mm-hmm. just as a, as a reminder, might be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, it, it can also be difficult for certain personality types to express emotion yeah. oh, and yeah. whether, you know, no matter their gender. And, um, and so I think it's, it's helpful. It's helpful to, I mean, to have Mary's example that, you know, she, she worshiped, um, with her mind, because she was responding to Jesus's teachings, mm-hmm. she worshipped with her her heart because she chose. You know, in the Hebrew sense, she chose to do this thing. She mm-hmm. worshipped with her soul. Um, 
with her love for and expressed her love for Jesus and she worshiped with her strength as she acted on that love. And um and so how would how would we express that today in today's society? That's a really good question. And, and you know, one of my favorite things to say is don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, not everybody's outward expression of worship is going to look the same. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that matters the most, of course, is the heart uh, and the and our, you know, to use Jesus' term, our soul, our inner being, mm-hmm. things that, you know, have are unfiltered uh, by by the things around us. And yet, you know, you you mentioned that worshiping Jesus for Mary was it was a safe thing, and it was demonstrated, or at least you could see it in that you know in that painting. And yet, the situation wasn't necessarily right. You know. I mean, in the washing of feet, she might have been in the appropriate, you know, if Martha was the head of that household, uh, Mary would have been, you know, uh, down the hierarchy a little bit. It may have been the appropriate for her to wash Jesus' feet as a host, but it was inappropriate. You know, every time she sat at the feet of Jesus when he taught, and we see it several times in the New Testament, that was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I mean, people. I mean, people would have been within their rights within Jewish culture to say, "Hey, it's time for you to leave now," you mm-hmm. know. Uh, right. But, Jesus, but of course, Jesus did not. In fact, he praised her for doing it, mm-hmm. and she didn't. You know, she and who knows? Maybe the first time she did it, she may have had multiple people coming up to her saying, "Hey, uh, just FYI, that was inappropriate. Don't do right. it again." Uh, but she did. Um, I think. I think, you know, but she overcame that and did it anyway, because it was Mm. the right thing to do. And I think for today, you know, in our expressions today, I I would just say, I would, you know, challenge our congregation. You know, Michelle, every time I use the word challenge in our pastoral staff meetings, you know, our our senior pastor, David, uh, will sometimes gently remind me that, uh, correctly so, that maybe an invitation is a better term (laughs) to invite people into something. Mm-hmm. I tell you this time, I'm going to use the word challenge. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would love to challenge our, our, our congregation to really ponder what it might mean individually for them in corporate worship to engage their heart, soul, mind, and strength in the act of worship. Mm-hmm. I think A.W. Tozer, I won't get the quote right exactly, but A.W. Tozer had a great one of our founding fathers, you know, back back in the day in the church here in the U.S. He has a quote that says, you know, I think it says, um, from all that I can read in scripture, I am firmly convinced that if that any man or woman who is bored by worship is not in any way ready for heaven. Hmm. And I, I love that quote. And I think to me, what I would say to our, our church is, you know, live into what Mary did and find out what that means for you. And then test, test the love of God, test his presence, test the love of Jesus in our worship and put yourself out there. I mean, Mary put herself out there. Mm, Yeah. You know, if, if, if standing there, if being there when he was teaching was wrong, if washing his feet or his hands or his face or his hair, which in the, themselves would not be that inappropriate, but drying his feet with her hair, mm. you know, she put herself out there. You yeah. know, I mean, that was a risky thing 
to do. She, she, she probably didn't know necessarily how Jesus would react even, even though I think by her own understanding and her own, uh, her own study and who the character of Jesus was, she, you know, like you said, this was a safe thing to do with him. Right. I, you know, what does that mean for us when we come into corporate worship? You know, those, the folks who look like they wish they were somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could just pause worship sometimes and invite them to join us. You know, uh, I don't, I, you know, I, who knows, everybody comes into yeah. worship, you know, at a different place. And sometimes we come in grieving. Sometimes yeah. we come in incredibly heavy burdens, but man, that worship, corporate worship is a place where we ought to be able to, we've been using this definition, bring all that we are mm-hmm. and lay it at the feet of all that God is. And I think, I think the one, I won't say sin, but the one uh, action that Jesus would say, not so much, would be uh, inactivity or non-engagement, if that makes sense. Mm. So yeah, I I guess I would challenge or invite our congregation, experiment with your own expression. Mm -hmm. You know, how does Mary's lesson to us apply to you? It's going to apply to everybody differently. And it doesn't mean right. that we'll all suddenly, you know, a year from now, all look the same as we worship. I love the varied expressions of worship in our church. I just, I would love for us all to have the same intensity, whatever mm. that expression looks like, and the same intentionality of bringing yeah. our heart, soul, mind, and strength into our, you know, communion with God. Yeah. And I just want to point out, right, like, it's corporate worship like sunday morning together in a community in a body of believers is really important and it is not the only place we worship god mm-hmm. we worship god all you know 24 7 um and so not that we have to live life intensely every moment of the day but but to be aware of god's presence as we go through our day um, into our work into our family, into our rest, into our sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's our heart attitude, just to kind of refer back to Rob Schrump's sermon a couple weeks ago of brother Lawrence and how he practiced God's presence in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. We can practice God's presence in the office, in the kitchen, in the, um, you know, at the playground, um, in our home, in our schools, Every, you know, everywhere we are, we can practice the presence of God and be worshiping him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good, one, it's, it's a good distinction. I think, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, no, that's okay. Uh, and in, 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 in truth, you know, the, the more, more correct hermeneutical application of the passage in Matthew, when Jesus is talking about how to, you know, to love the Lord, your God, uh, that would be in our daily walk. I mean, mm-hmm. that is applied in our work and our study and our goings in and comings, you know, and going, uh, coming in and going out. Um, I do think it also applies as we come together corporately, which is mm-hmm. why I wed those two together. But just yeah. to be clear, you know, that is not necessarily the main purpose of that, you know, purpose of that scripture passage in Matthew. But you're exactly right. You know, we, we, we're, we're called to live a lifestyle of worship. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? You know, it's. Mm-hmm heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I love the the one commentary I read that Jesus was making sure that they understood those listeners, that this is a different kind of faith or religion than they were used to. 
Mm. It demands much more, mm-hmm. you know, but that the benefits would be much greater as well. Um, mm. Yeah. So I, I, you know, it always helps us when we look at scripture to know who the audience is and to know the right. context, because that right. brings a whole different you know, view, especially in that Matthew passage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say one last thing, and that is in, re- in regards to a whole new way of worshiping. I loved what you said about we cannot compartmentalize our worship of God. It is not just only our mind or only our emotions or only our act of coming to church or only, you know, we can't compartmentalize. It's right. all. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lifetime um, endeavor. Uh, it's yeah. something, you know, like Brother Lawrence is something that we find ways uh, to to bring Jesus into mm-hmm. the different aspects of our life. Um, I heard a sermon once where the pastor said, uh, "You know, my own way. It's just I assume, you know, Jesus is my is my partner in everything, and he's sitting beside me in all activities." Yeah. Whether it's recreation, whether it's work, whether it's with family, you know, whatever it is, you know, Jesus is there because that, that is also, a, it's not just a metaphor. It's, it's actually, you know, true that right. God goes, goes with us. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Travis, for joining me today. And thank you to our audience. Thank you for um, joining us, whether you joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on our podcast. Thank you for spending a few minutes of your day with us. Have a great day. See you in 20 years.